thorny as we venture into the R&R, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana state and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Citra IPA is probably one of my favorites, but we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a mountain man scotch ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a mountain man, but you are right. I do love their mountain man scotch ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their golden bobcat pale ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson, and as always, go Cats! Dink it a dink 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 dink. Dink it a dink 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 Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome back, Bobcat fans, to another episode of the RNR Catcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Foley, across the screen from me. Across the state, that is, is my good buddy Ryan Thornberg. Ryan Thornberg, he is the guy that puts all the magic into this show that makes it work for us. So, uh, Thorny, how are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm excited to talk about the game. I uh, wasn't there on Saturday for the Instant Reaction Show, so you, uh, we found Shane. It was nice enough to come on and do it on my behalf. So I'm excited to actually get to talk about the game with you. Nice man. Hey, I forgot to mention we have a great sponsor in Jeremiah Johnson Brewing, brewing great beers in downtown Great Falls, Montana, with the second tap room over in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And we always want to mention the Big Sky Podcast Network. We are the Montana State affiliate, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Thank Podcast you. Network. And if you're not uh, familiar with them, they're just a motley crew of guys that are fans like us who are talking about their beloved schools. So if you have any other Big Sky rooting interests, uh, you can go find them on the Twitter sphere. Uh, they put out good content, good shows, and they're fun to talk to. So reach out to them at will. They'd be happy to talk to you. But no, that that was what was so nice about uh, the Weber State thing was having Colby on. That's what we did. Just reached out to the to the Weber State affiliate of it. Oh, absolutely! How good is Colby too? Colby is, is so by good. far the smoothest of the personalities. I would say <laughs> he's always got like a degree in a communication or whatever. So. You know, he knows what he's doing. He's good. That guy's got yeah, a future. He, he is. He's a he's a good guy to talk to. He has a great voice, and he just puts you in a good spot when you talk to him. So, really enjoyed listening to Kobe and talking to him last week. But we're here to talk about the Montana State Bobcats against the Weber State Wildcats, and so we'll, that's going to be the focus of this episode. We will also run down and preview the Idaho State game that's coming up in Bozeman this weekend. That's going to be fun. Montana State only has two home games left, one against Idaho State and one against Idaho. The Idaho. So we will we'll be taking you know, the whole state on 
And within the next three, four weeks, because we do have a bye week coming up after this game, a little bit more information about the episode today. We'll get into some news. We'll talk about some injuries, uh, the new FCS stats that came out. Pulp. And then after that, we'll go into the the recap of the, the game. We'll end with some ISU stuff and some Golden Cooley questions on the back end. Sounds fantastic. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Woo. Yeah, you haven't talked about this. You like you said, you missed the instant reaction show. So I'm I'm bet that you have it all pent up inside, ready to go. <laughs> I, I, I kind of do, yeah. But uh, of course, once we start recording, I'm gonna only say a few things and miss half the things I want to say. But you know, that's normal. <laughs> that's normal. Well, we have first the thing that we mostly do. Mostly do. That's a terrible way of saying this. The thing that we do first. <laughs> Let's talk about what's in our golden coolie. If you would like a golden coolie, I will send you one as long as you submit some questions to our podcast. And you can submit those questions via Bobcat Nation. You can tweet at us at rrcatcast.com or you can submit them on our website, rrcatcast.com. Yeah. Thorny, yeah. what do you got in your beer? What do you got so- in your golden coolie? I got a nice winter beer by Colshan Brewing. It is Kitten Mittens. I've had it on the show before. Uh, a reference, I presume, to Sony in Philadelphia. If you've seen it, you know. Um, you know what? It's a winter beer, so I went for that number one. But number two, Kitten Mittens, I thought just that was kind of a, you know, we put some mittens on the Wildcats' claws so they didn't scratch us. Kitten Mittens, so that's what I went <laughs> with. So I got myself a nice Kitten Mittens winter ale, 35%. Uh, IBUs, 8% alcohol, so pretty stout. Like I said, it's a winter beer. It's delicious. Um, I enjoy it only in certain times of the year. But right now, loving it. Winter beers are starting to come out. I did not know that. That's cool to hear. I have a Rubens Crikey IPA India Pale Ale. I've had this probably first season that we did this podcast. I really, really like this beer. And I don't get it very often. And it's kind of like one of those beers where, like, man, I should buy this more often. I really enjoy it. Never do. It's always there on the shelf waiting for me. But uh, I just think I like the hop profile on this. There's definitely a lot of citra hops. And it's not hazy. And I just like the bite of the hops more more and more these days. So there it is. Where's that uh, brewery located? Crikey, I believe it's in, or Ruben, excuse me, a Ballard? No. Yes, Ballard, Seattle. Okay. I don't think I said it, but Colshin is in Bellingham. So, got a couple of Washington beers here, which makes sense. We both live in Washington. There you go. All right. Let's get right into the news. What do you want to start out with, Thorny? I mean, the only real news that I have are the are injuries. So if you have anything else, let's start there. But if not, let's just get into the injuries. Okay. I'll just run down the FCS stats poll real quick. Montana State made the jump from nine. We're just inching up every week. We are now at number eight. Eastern Washington is number two in the nation. UC Davis makes a return. It's kind of a surge there. They are at number 10. 11 is Montana, and I think Sac State came in at number 19. They traded spots with Weber State. Weber State dropped out of the top 25. 
sex date was receiving 10 votes in the coaches poll. I just wanted to throw that out there. That's atrocious. That's a travesty. <laughs> They're behind Weber State in the terms of receiving votes in the in the coaches poll. The the okay. most garbagiest poll of all time, but you know, yeah, you're right. We're just inching up there, up up to number eight. I'm surprised that Davis jumped up to number ten, at, but uh, you know they're six and one, so nothing wrong with them being top ten. But you know, it doesn't break my heart to see the Grizz drop out of the top ten either. Nope, never feel bad for the Grizzlies when they lose. In fact, we rejoice as Montana State fans. Mostly, yes, mostly. It's our duty. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's All nothing right. else I want to really say about the poll. So let's move on to maybe the. We're going to talk about injuries. We're going to talk about the Big Sky Power Rankings since we're kind of talking about polls. Yeah, let's do the Power Rankings. All right. So why don't you give your uh, top five real quick here while I go actually look up the what the actual poll was because I don't have it in front of me. So I knew I'm you stalling. were going to ask go. me. I did not write it down. The one week I did not write it down, and you asked <laughs> me to say it first. I will try in, to recap what I it's said. It's in our texts. <laughs> You, you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, I know I put Eastern number one, Montana State number two. I believe I put SAC number three, Davis number four, Weber five, and Montana six. <laughs> what? You put Montana below Weber? I did. Uh-huh. I think Weber could just, uh, I, I don't think Montana would score a touchdown on Weber. Their offense is so bad right now. I think Weaver would just stuff them. So sometimes <laughs> when I'm struggling on this power poll, I'm choosing between, between between two teams. I like to imagine like if they played on like on a neutral field, who would win at this very second? So if you're looking at that angle of it, I I can agree with that. I think Weaver would probably beat Montana right now. I thought Weaver they're healthy. I thought their defense is looking pretty good. So I mean we'll obviously get into that, but I could see argument either way. I had Eastern number one, that's the most obvious vote here. I uh, got the, the Cats number two. I also uh, agreed with you that Sac State moved up to number three because I had them at number six, I believe, last week. So it's not a big leap for me because I think they've been looking pretty good. And then I had Davis. I had a hard time choosing between Davis and Sac, but I went, ultimately went Sac three, Davis four. I did slide the Grizz, Grizz into number five just because I have a hard time putting a team that's like two and four in the top five, even if I do think they're really good. So. There's my top five slash six. And then after that, it's just like, whoa, like, what do you do? Yeah, who cares, right? <laughs> who's number, yeah, who's number seven? I think I put Portland State there. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The biggest team of mystery to me now is not the Grizzlies anymore. I don't believe I ever said that. There was a team of mystery I was talking about a couple weeks ago. Is Davis. Yeah, after they lost to Idaho State. Northern Arizona, they are an odd team to me. I mean, they're quietly winning some ball games. They're currently number seven <laughs> in the power rankings in the Big Sky Podcast power rankings. They they just beat someone. I know uh, you recapped the Big Sky After Dark games with Shane. I don't remember what the, the score was, but they beat somebody, didn't they? They did. And I believe it might have been Northern Colorado. No, Davis beat Northern Colorado, but... Uh, Anyway, they won again, so I think they're you know, climbing up in the standing somehow, which is yeah. just uh, anyways, it's kind of crazy to think about. All Mystery. right, good word. <laughs> All right, 
Hey, let's get into just some injury news. Uh, on the presser today, Coach Vegan didn't have much to say about the injuries. Uh, you know, knock on wood, Montana State has been really healthy for the most part. Uh, so his his news was uh, James Campbell still making progress. Maybe probably won't see him again on this weekend, which is unfortunate. Uh, that was concerned because Eric Zambrano went out in Weber, but does sound like Eric Zambrano will be back, has a undisclosed lower body injury that's causing him slight discomfort. <laughs> but it sounds like he'll be able to work his way through it and come back. Good to know. Nate Stewart, the grad transfer out of Akron, has been practicing, but still hasn't been able to as Coach Vegan would say, you know, perfect those football moves, cutting, slashing, uh, being ready to do those kind of movements out on the field. So Nate Stewart's still in progress. All right. Yeah, that's a – I didn't even really notice when Zambrono went out of the game. I didn't see the injury, and I didn't really, I guess, realize he wasn't in the game until afterwards until someone said that he went out. So, But, uh, you know, it's good to hear it's not serious. We're going to need him. We need all hands on deck when it comes to the Eastern Washington game here in a few weeks. But, you know, it's a good week for us to to heal up and kind of get things going. You know, uh, speak of injuries real quick. R.J. Fitzgerald was back. How? He did play. How? And he How? played well. He was blocking dudes <laughs> out there like like he always does. Ryan Davis After, was out there as well. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. And also, I guess, slightly concerning, as we'll get into, because we had our full complement to blocking people, and we still couldn't really uh, move the ball. So, on the ground. All right. Okay, Thorny, let's get right into the Weber State game, man. All right. Well, let's start off with the stats. 13-7. to 7. There, I did it. Bobcat victory down in Ogden Shh. on a Friday on ESPU, ESPNU for Weber State's homecoming in a game they had to win. Couldn't get it done. Bobcats only mustered up nine first downs. Wildcats had 13. The teams were a com- lovely combined three of 27 on third downs. Cats one of 14. We were state two of 13. That's just, that's just terrible. <laughs> Cats only had 222 total yards, but the Wildcats weren't a whole lot better at 269. Um, Cats didn't have much luck through the air with 76 Passing yards, and I'm saying cats, I mean the Bobcats. There are two cat teams here. Cats are always the Bobcats. 215 yards, though, for Weaver State through the air um, on 16 and 29 passing. So a decently efficient day for Bronson Barron. McKay just 12 for 19 for only four yards of pass. Not not a lot going there. Cats did have some success running the ball, 146 rushing yards to just 54 for the Wildcats and 1.7 yards per carry. Penalties, there were hardly any penalties in this game. There was a Four combined penalties, three on the Cats, just one on the Wildcats. And of course, the story of the game, in a game like this in particular, the two turnovers, two costly turnovers for the Wildcats, which the Cats turned into six points, which is the margin of victory if you're keeping score at home, keeping tally. And the Cats actually won the time of position battle, 31 minutes and five seconds to 28 minutes and 55 seconds. So there's your general team stats. Pretty... uh Pretty miserable, except for those two turnovers. That's clearly, clearly the uh, the difference maker there. I'll run down a couple of individual performances. Matt McKay, like you said, he was 12 for 19, 76 yards. 
Mm. He's not Matty two touchdowns. This, this is week, like Trey numbers there. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> we'll talk about Matt McKay, I'm sure. Fonse was uh twenty five carries, eighty one yards for average of three and two tenths. Elliot, Elijah Elliott had four carries for thirty one yards. Tommy Mallott had one carry for 20 yards and then touched the ball one more time. Why? Right? We're going to talk about that. Lance McCutcheon had three catches uh, for a high of 26 yards. I think he had a long of 14. So, um, I want to mention Bryce Layton, too. He had eight punts, averaged 39.6 yards. Glessner was two for two. Stones Glessner, as I call him, two mm-hmm. for two. 46-yard uh, field goal, 32-yard field goal. Nokata had 11 tackles, and I think Troy had 10 tackles. He had a fumble recovery, a sack, and three tackles for a loss. Not a bad Just day of the average Troy. Troy. Like I said, we actually got to see a Troy Anderson game from you know the entire way through, and uh, it was worth the price of admission. Thorny, before we start about this... Um, out of the four po- podcasts we did last week, I went back and I, <laughs> that was a lot. Uh, I did have some keys to this win. And maybe we'll start out with this. Maybe that kind of helped some shape some of our conversation. And uh, I'm just looking at this right now and said, limit sustained limit sustain drives for the Wildcats, which we did. Match Weaver's physicality and stay level-headed, which we did. Contain the run, make Baron beat us with his arm, which we did, and endure the fourth quarter, which we did. So I'm going to go ahead and pat myself on the back because I think I nailed the keys to that game before the game happened. Yeah, I was actually just looking at my keys that I talked about last game. I didn't go back and listen to what I actually said, but I'm looking at the notes from last week. Um, I had the turnover battle needs to be even or close to it. Cats won that by a couple of minutes. Um, don't get worn down. Weber wins it in the second half in the fourth quarter, as you kind of just said there. Don't lose the special teams battle. We won the special teams battle, which was Woo, absolutely huge. Huge, yeah. I was like, all huge. it takes is one Rashid Shahid kickoff return for a touchdown to, to negate the two field goals by Blake Lesnar to actually overcome it, but he, he never got the chance. And uh, continue to win the turnover battle, plus two. Pretty easy right there. I mean, the rest of it, uh, I don't know if, what else I said there, but those are the main ones I know that I said. So right there, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty happy that the Cats kind of did what you and I both thought that they needed to do to get a huge win down in Ogden. So, Thorny, I was just thinking about this. In their quick reaction episode with Shane, and on those quick reaction episodes, we always do – the good, the bad, and the ugly. I haven't heard from you, man. So I'm going to ask you this. What was your good? My good was just matching the physicality, getting into like, oh, what did the SBNU announcer say that I um, that I really liked? It was a fight in a phone booth. That's <laughs> how he described the game. We got in that fist fight in the phone booth and we came out the less bloody of the two opponents. So I think that was a huge part of it. Uh, I liked how we just uh, just locked it down. Like that was good. Just the defense, obviously. I'm going to put the entire defense in the good category there. So, just some real quick goods from me on that. Is just yeah, the defense and matching the physicality and and I guess 
absorbing Weaver's punch. They came out and punched us right in the mouth, and we completely responded, and it was, it was really good to see. You know, Coach Vegan talked about that in the press conference today. He talked about how good teams don't panic and how after that first drive, the defense went back on the sidelines. They just accepted what happened and they made the adjustments and then just rolled from there. I want to say this, and I said this in the R&R After Dark episode. I think it's worth repeating. Like When I look at this good, the, the thing that really stands out to me is we beat a ranked opponent coming off a bye, a desperate team trying to write their season, and we beat them in their own house. I just think that's so understated when you when you look at this game. There's so many things you can nitpick about this, but the fact that we just did all of that in a place we hadn't won since 2013, man, the Cats really nailed that. That's awesome news. No, we talked about it um, on our preview episode, how just like so many of the intangible things are just pointing to the Wildcats way on this. Like you said, the short week, they had the bye week, it was homecoming, they needed the win. This is like everything you can think of was was just pointing to them, and we were able to overcome all that and come away with the win. So that's just good category for sure, just the team's response to everything we were through and just the team team's mindset going into the game. The new sheriffs in town, like Ty Okada said, they came in there with the mentality, <laughs> hey, we knew, we knew what was going to happen. We're new sheriffs in town. <laughs> I love it, man. He's, he's like the – Kind of like the Braden Conkle of the of this year's squad with just those kinds of quotes. I told Shane we have to have we have to lobby for him to the, the press just needs to get him every week. Yeah. I <laughs> He's agree. So good. He's so good. <laughs> he's always gonna have a good game, so he can you you can always at least argue the we got him on the press conference because he had a good game, because he's always going to have a good game. So yeah, get him in there. Love listening to him, Chad. Ryan, another another great thing I thought Montana State did during this game was their special teams play. Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about the effectiveness of Bryce Layton. I know the quick reaction when we were texting on Friday night was, oh man, another 35-yard punt. Oh man, another 37-yard punt. He nailed one. I think he had a long of like 48, 49. But... I think there was a little method to it. After listening to Coach Vegan and after watching it again, I think he's putting a little bit more loft into those punts so our coverage could get down there. So they weren't the booming punts. The the length of the yardage was not there, but the height of them allowed us to get there. And we really negated Rashid Shaheed. The directional punting plus the height of the punts, I think was a, a perfect game plan to take away one of their biggest weapons. I mean, a net 35-yard punt against Rashid Shaheed in the grand scheme of things is pretty good. Because that's what the, that's mm-hmm. what it basically boils down to. You can kick a 60-yard punt, he takes 15 yards. You can kick a 35-yard punt that he just fair catches. I'm going to take probably the ladder on that every single time because he's not going to even have a chance to do anything. So and we tackled well, too. We did, yeah. Uh, so as, as I rewatched the game, and I'll, I'll, I'll call this out right now. It's a good spot to talk about it. Rashid Shaheed got crunched two different times on on returns one by daniel hardy completely depleted him um just another from the classic side. daniel hardy yeah just on the side just kind of lowered his shoulder as she was kind of cut, cut <laughs> trying to cut across the field and just flattened him just fell straight on the side and the other one actually didn't knock him over but there was a there was a return i don't know if it was a punt return or a kick return i can't remember now it must have been a kickoff return where jahari martin 
hit him pretty hard and knocked him completely sideways. And he was able to stay on his feet, but he ended up getting tackled just a few seconds later because it completely knocked his momentum sideways. And he had to reorient himself where he was. So he got hit pretty hard two different times. And you could tell that was a that was an emphasis and, um, you know, hitting him pretty hard and just making him think twice about just running f- as fast as he can up the middle. So kudos to the Bobcat special teams on containing him, laying a couple hits and doing enough in the kicking game to negate him. I always root for Rashid. I met him and talked to him in Spokane two years ago. He seemed like a really good guy. And from there, I was like, man, I'm going to root for this guy because he was easy guy to talk to, had a great smile. And uh, when you watch him, right? He's, he's just fun electric. to watch. He's extremely yeah. fun to watch. You don't want to play against glad him. He didn't... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. None of the fun stuff you watch from Shahid happened to the Bobcats. So that's, that's good. <laughs> All right. All right, Thorny. We're going to keep with you, dude. You you didn't you gave me your good. Now, let's go in that middle level. Sometimes we call it the bad. Sometimes we call it the okay. What do you have in that? So in the okay category, I could almost go borderline bad on this. No, that's, that's too strong a word. But the offensive line, I thought they got beat several times. Um, they didn't stay on their blocks a lot. Overall, it was a decent performance, at least in pass protection. I know McKay got sacked a few times, but I thought they did a decent job back there. But And they were able to open some holes. They just weren't able to sustain some blocks. Like They weren't able to keep the block enough to let um, Afonso and company get through the second level. Uh, I just, You know what? It's just not the level that we've seen at MSU. It's a pretty good offensive line, but I just think that the – you know, the graduation of Mitch brought and the transfer of Connor Wood and then the injury to Jacob Kettles has really kind of started to show here. And maybe Weber State's the best defensive line we'll see all year. So maybe that's just we got that out of the way and now we can we can kind of get back on track. But I think the offensive line left a lot to be desired uh, on Friday. They had a tough job, though. I watched the game back on Saturday and I watched plays multiple times trying to watch different players and uh, I often keyed in on the front battle and Ryan you like you saw they had five five linemen or their front five and then they had three linebackers right behind them and they were all crashing those gaps and they were just keying in on it man and I couldn't imagine how hard it would be to run into that all the time and we really rode Afonso in this game we did not Sub out to Elijah Elliott very often. We did not run side to side very often. And so I, I really think Montana State had a tough job on Friday night. Well, they did. They absolutely had a tough job. But uh, you started to put their performance in the context of the national landscape and the playoffs and what it's going to take to make a playoff run. Is that performance on Friday going to win you a semifinal, quarterfinal game? That's where... I don't know the answer to that yet. There's a lot of time to fix that and get things kind of going in the right direction. But man, you Weber State was subbing a lot of guys and every single guy they have is basically a carbon copy of 6'3", 290 or 6'3", 300. Weber State's huge on the defensive yeah. line. And as we they talked to Kobe go. Peterson and we heard from Jay Hill, that's like the healthiest they've been in 2021 at any time, spring, spring camp, f- summer, whatever. This is the healthiest they've been. So they had their full complement on defense. So... I do think when they're healthy, Weaver State arguably is the best defense in the conference, if not the right there with the Cats and uh, a healthy Grizz. Uh, certainly not a depleted Grizz, as we've seen. But 
you know, Weber State has a very, very good defense, and the Cats found that out and had a really hard time doing much of anything. Um, but, you know, I still have to say the offensive line is going to have to play better if we're going to if we're going to contend for, you know, a national title. Do you think they can get better? Yes, I, I do think they can. I mean, you got two freshmen on there. So freshmen obviously have a pretty big curve to go up from. And we're going to have a bye week coming up. I think the bye week is going to be huge. And it's at like the perfect time. Looking at it right now, that bye week couldn't have come at a better time. We got our, in fact, the schedule is kind of laying it out perfectly. Like we had our, or get the crap beat out of us and also beat them up. So everyone from this game is going to be bloody and bruised. We get one extra day though to recover. So there's the short, that's the other side of the short week that we were talking about from last week is now we have an extra day to recover for Idaho State, a game that cat should be favored heavily at home. So another home game and then we get a bye week. So I think they can get better. Um, and I think they're going to have an opportunity to do some reps and practice in a bye week and, and to be able to get better. All right, let's uh, focus in on the bad because there was some, and I want to hear what you. Isn't have that what to we say. were talking about? I thought we were talking about the bad. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the ugly. Or, you, or did you call it the okay? <laughs> Are there four tiers to this now? Is it the good, the okay, the bad, and the ugly? <laughs> let's not make it four <laughs> tiers. Let's keep this thing simple. I've never liked the good, bad, and the ugly only because two of them are negatives. So it's like one positive and then two bad things. So. That's what I've always, my always gripe has been. So, anyway, are we are we talking about the bad still? As I'm ranting nope. and losing track, of what the I'm talking ugly. about the ugly. I mean, just the inability to move the football, and mm-hmm. it, it's hard to pinpoint. And we talked about the offensive line, but there's all sorts of other factors, and I don't want to sit there and analyze exactly why. But you know, 222 yards, nine first downs—that's ugly. <laughs> that's just ugly. No matter how you slice it. Just the physicality of the game, though. The refs were swallowing the whistle on pretty much everything except for ticky-tacky blocking fouls on Bobcat wide receivers. They were plenty happy to blow the whistle on that. Other than that, like, they let things go. So, I mean, you, you could almost call it ugly in terms of, like, how ugly the game got. What what did uh, Coulter, I think Coulter Nuanez, like to say, like, Jay Hill's going to, what did he call it? Like, muck it up? Not muck it up, but, like, dirty it up. Like, Jay Hill's going to, he's going to make the game ugly. And he did. That game was ugly. The cats were right down there in the mud with them, slinging mud with the best of them. And I guess ugly was just that kind of the 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 style of the game. Unless you love defense, then it was your absolute thing. But even even then, I don't think it was like defense making play after play. It's just an ugly game. So just an overall, just an ugly, ugly game. Another stat I wrote down where we were one for fourteen. That's on ugly. third down. That's terrible. That's super ugly. Absolutely terrible. It's our worst one for, offensive one for game. One for two on fourth, though. <laughs> it was our worst offensive game of the season. I mean, holy cow. Friday night. Might have to go back well, to like the 2019 North Dakota game to find <laughs> something that I think was so ugly. And those stats are probably better than this. 76 passing yards. You and I were texting on Friday night. I did not get ESPNU. So I had to go to an establishment to watch it. And I was only there for really half the game before we all left. I was watching Bobcat Nation. Bobcat Nation was erupting in discontent about their play calls. I'm sure. I don't know if Bobcat Nation got it right, though. 
because they were saying, you know, the the narrative on Bobcat Nation was run up the middle, run up the middle, pass, three and out. Run up the middle, run up the middle, pass, three and out. Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, the the Cats did do more than just that. Like it, it, I actually felt the same way when I was watching the game. I was like, oh, come on, right up the middle again. But the, the Cats did test the edge. They did do some passes out to the flats, and they missed some opportunities on some passes, and they made and some reads that McKay could have made that would have changed the narrative on that. Because a lot of those runs up the middle were, were zone read handoffs to Isaiah Afonso. And I don't, Alfonso may have even missed a few holes there too. So it was, it was a predictable maybe. Um, I'm not saying I'm going to disagree with that, but I think a few exe- few better executed plays here and there, and we're not talking about it. Yeah, right? If we had three, four big-time passes, maybe five more first downs in some big-time plays, Maybe not even some big time plays. Maybe just some conversions, right? We're sitting here going, "We did enough. It was an awesome game. We out weavered, weavered. We we took their punches. We absorbed the physicality, and we dominate on defense. And we got enough done in the offense. We are just riding high. But that's not the narrative of this game. The narrative of this game is our defense dominated. But what about our offense? What was that? Because prior to this, our offense had been varied." Not predictable, sometimes predictable, just a little bit, just a little bit. But I think Taylor Housewright has done a nice job this year so far of highlighting different schemes, different players, different packages. And then then this game came along and we're like, there's really not a lot of diversity. Coach Vegan said in his show today, we probably should have passed it more. Yeah, I mean, that's a, certainly a good observation, and he's probably not wrong, but McKay was having kind of a hard day. He was yeah. not making the best reads. His accuracy was kind of spotty. He had a, a uh, interception, a sure interception, just dropped by the by the defensive back. We got completely lucky on that one because he would have returned that inside the 20 for sure and set up Weaver nicely. He was just having a hard time, and it was a game where at that point, you know, Second quarter, or I'm sorry, third quarter, we all of a sudden had a six-point lead thanks to the defensive play and a couple of field goals. And then why do anything stupid after that? So I I just think I think it boils down to execution. If a couple of those runs that Afonso had in the third or fourth quarter that he's able to break one more tackle and take 20 more yards or even house it, we're not sitting there talking about the predictable play calling because it worked. So it was just a, a combination of execution and just playing it safe, I think, is why it looked so ugly on the eyeballs. <laughs> no doubt they're going to be working on offense this week. I'm excited to see what that happens against the Idaho State Bengals. Uh, I'm predicting a little kind of a comeback game for the offense there. I do want to ask you something specific. What did you think of the the um, decision to go for it on fourth and one? Just the decision. We'll talk about the actual play call that ensued on the decision. But what do you think of the decision? I love it. Yeah, me too. I was all for it. I was 100% on board. I was actually, as soon as I saw us a yard short, I was uh, in the Big Sky Podcast Network chat on Twitter. I'm like, go for it. End it. I I, t- I typed that out because I'm like, man, this game is, I feel at this point, Weber is more capable of making a play than we are on offense. 
Like we were stuffing them, but they were still making a few passes here and there. They were getting like a 17 yard pass here or eight yard pass there. Like I felt like the dam was might break enough for them to score touchdowns. So I'm like, just end the game right now. Just that knockout punch. So I'm, I love the decision to go for it. Did not love the play call. I rewatched that play and uh, where did I write that down? But somebody got blown up big time. I think it, it was Colsane. Colsane got blown so far into the backfield that when Isaiah Afonso took the handoff, he ran straight into the back of uh, Colsane because he was pushed three yards into the backfield. So it didn't have a chance from the start. It looked slower developing than it was because <laughs> because of that. He bounced off his own offensive lineman, and, and after that, it was over. So that was just an example of the offensive line. Um, not doing enough to win the game. I have no idea why Colsane was in the game because I saw Justice Perkins in the game after that. So I don't know why they were like subbing or was it Zach Red? I don't remember who it was, who it was, but anyway, yeah, the offensive line got blown in the backfield. And that's why that play failed. What do you think of the play call on it? I, I didn't love it. It seemed slow developing. I would have liked to see some leak out on the side. We had been pounding the middle, pounding the middle. When you look at Weaver's defense, everybody was tight right there. It was wide open on the outside. I mean, ultimately, that was the play that ended up winning the game. That's exactly what you're talking about. It was a finally McKay kept it, ran right, trucked somebody. Like he actually like mowed a couple guys over on the way to the first down that ended up seeing the game. So I would have loved to see something like that at that point too, or a bootleg, a, a play yeah, action, like fake it to Fonse, yeah, fake it to Fonse, uh, get Snell out on just a leak out. It's the easy one, one yard completion right there. One thing that I think McKay also needs to work on real quick here, like just like a, a really just like not convincing fake handoff. I think it's something that Dakota Prukop was really bad at too. And I think that's something McKay can certainly uh, work upon as the Ryan Foley's phrase Let's just steal it from you. So I don't, I don't know if that would have worked, <laughs> I guess. And coming back to my, the point here, <laughs> McKay's not the best seller of these play action fake handoffs. I was really surprised with McKay's um, game. I thought in Wyoming, he played so well. He showed such diversity in Wyoming, just the ability to put the ball on the mark. He just looked nervous this game. Well, part of that could be he got like WWF suplexed to like the second play of the game, second snap yeah, of the game, point. which how is that not a penalty? I don't understand how it's okay. not a penalty. Can we talk about penalties? How about when uh, I think it was Willie got hit or something on the kickoff and the guy, the guy that hit him came back and like literally like double flexed over him, like yeah. full on gun show. That's like an automatic him. penalty in so many football games I've watched this year because they're cracking down on like that exact. That's like textbook at the refs meeting. Like, don't let the players do that. And yeah. they just didn't do anything about it. He walked back to Willie, stood over him, flexed over him, and then just stood there taunting him for a good couple seconds and then yeah. just walked off and the ref was sitting there looking at him and goes, you know, just break it up, break it up. Think back to week one when Daniel Hardy did the no-go. Incomplete you know, the, thing, the, yeah. <laughs> the incomplete hands and he got the flag for that. Yeah. Like get a it's a weird game to like have what? a bone to pick with the officiating. We won, but it's like it's so frustrating to see things that the cats have <laughs> been flagged for. This completely like slide. 
And the cats yeah. have like worked so hard to clean up their personal files because that's been a problem because some ticky tacky taunting here. And then all of a sudden Weber State can do whatever they want in terms of taunting and body slamming and flexing. And it's like, come on. All right, Tony. Hey, let's keep this thing moving. Um, giving, give me your parting thoughts on Weber. I just, yeah, huge win. Never underestimate, you know, like the heart of a champion. Like the, a lot of the guys were on this squad, were on the last, on the spring squad when they won the, another big conference championship. They were on the 2019 team. There was plenty of guys left over, plenty of seniors on that team. They got healthy. Jay Hill, hell of a coach in this conference. The fact that we went down there on the road, won the game. I don't care if it was two to zero. We got the win and I could not be happier from that standpoint, because it sets us up so well from the back half of the season and alleviates so much of the pressure. So overall, man, I'm just, I was super happy. I don't care how ugly it looked. All the gripes I had about play calling at the time or offensive line or frustration with the passing game. It doesn't matter. We won and man lose. <laughs> I think it is Andrew. Oh my gosh. Who's the, who's the running back for the Grizz that's on Twitter. Andrew X- Houghton. No, that's the, no. that's the reporter for skyline. Schmidt. Yeah. Andrew Schmidt. Yeah. He says, uh, he likes to say losing is easy. Just ask, insert losing team here. So <laughs> that's that's what it boils down <laughs> to, man. Losing is easy. Cats didn't lose. And we're six and one. We got the Weaver State monkey off our back. It's good to see, right? And to me, last week I talked about, I was saying this coming second half of the schedule, we needed to beat at least one of the ranked teams. Weaver, Eastern. Montana, that's already done. That's already done. Exactly. So, awesome job from Montana State. Before we get out of here, I want to kind of revisit a, a Golden Cooley question we had. It's like kind of the legacy or the impact of this win. Like, how does that affect Brent Vegan's legacy with this win? Do you have any thoughts on that? Because that was, that was basically the question, right, last week? Yeah, I still think it's too early to tell. Uh, Weber's a great win. Uh, Montana State has a good trajectory. I don't know. Like, uh, I guess kind of I want to see how Vegan responds after a loss, if that's weird to say. I don't want to see the Montana State lose, obviously. Coach Choate had such a good time of uh, rallying rallying the troops. Backs against the wall kind of mentality. Um. Oh, gosh, that's a, that's kind of stumping me. What do you think, Thorny? Because I'm kind of stumped on that question. I, I I mean, it's just I think it's too too early to tell. I think that's what I said. My answer last week: if we got crushed, um, I would definitely be starting to kind of not second guess vegan or anything like that. It would just be a much more dire situation or something like, oh my gosh, we can't even compete. We were like down, and we still can't. We did what we had to do. Couldn't agree more with that. All right, Thorny, let's talk a little bit about Idaho State. How did we go this whole entire game without talking about Daniel Hardy? Sorry, can't do it. Daniel Hardy was a stud. Okay, moving on, Idaho State. (laughs) It's like I didn't see Daniel Hardy once. The guy's a beast, an absolute beast. So he won Big Sky Player. We didn't, that's the news. That's news. That's big time news. I think it's the first, the first awards for any Bobcats this year, isn't it? I think so. Actually, had written down, and I totally neglected that too. So I'll I'll shoulder, I'll shoulder half of that. I just guess, I just started talking such like big picture stuff and uh, like coaching and stuff. 
not not nearly enough about the actual play of the players themselves. So I just had to like you gotta say you gotta call out Daniel Hardy and Blake Glessner. We talked about Glessner, but Daniel Hardy, we talked about Trey Anderson, Ty Okada had a hell of a game and you know, just wow. Just got we had to. I had to do it. Sorry. We can move on to the the bungles. Troy Anderson did not house that uh, pop-up fumble. That was a shock to me. There was one. There was one Weber State. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Josh. And it just happened to be right at his legs. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm surprised he didn't just jump over him. He's he's done that move so many times where someone kind of comes out from the side, and he like makes the leg on the side just kind of like go over towards his other leg and then come right back down. Like 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 he just hurdled like a like he's doing the hurdles like (laughs) the track meet hurdles. I'm like, how how does he do that stuff? But yeah, it was really weird. Everyone else quit on the plate as he was still like trying to like uh, uh, like drag Josh Davis in the end zone, but everyone stopped blocking. It was really weird, but <laughs> awesome play. Yeah. All right. Idaho State comes in to Montana State with a stellar record of one and four, one and two in the conference with their lone win against UC Davis. <laughs> Big Sky Conference, man, right there. He's the least, right? A one-win team over the tenth-ranked team in the country. <laughs> you know, I was I was high on Idaho State coming into the season. I right? thought they were going to be a surprise team. I like their quarterback Tyler Vanderball. I was an adopted fan in the spring season. I I was on the Bengal bandwagon. I like their running back Malachi Rango. Did. It just looked like an offense that could just sling it around, almost like an Eastern, but not like quite full on Eastern, but just like pass happy. Being able to run, Malachi Ringo kind of makes me, reminds me of a running back that I like to watch. Kind of a rangy kind of running back, speedster, tough. I was high on Idaho State. I don't know what's gone wrong with them, but I did not see this coming. I thought they would be. You know, you know, predicting their schedule right now, at least 500. So I'm very surprised. But then they beat UC Davis and with a backup quarterback, Hunter Hayes. What? Why? Why Why does that even happen in the big And game? I don't believe so, Malachi Rango played in the game either. Jeez. So it's that happened insanity. two weeks ago. And then they go lay an egg last week against who they lose against. Portland State. This is great. Portland State, yeah. Portland State took it to them. And now we get the Bengals, who could, who, no doubt, their coaching staff is rallying them and go, let's take down the Bobcats, let's ruin their season. What do you well, think? Well, their season's Tony? over. So we're not we're not playing like yeah. a desperate team. We're playing like the team that is just playing spoilers. They're just coming up there to play in a big-time atmosphere and just kind of have a, a fun game. I watched... On my lunch break, I was working out, so I actually put on the Portland State-Idaho State game and watched maybe the first quarter, a quarter and a half or whatever. And Idaho State shot themselves in the foot right off the bat. I I think they are very, very bad in the turnovers. I hate that the Big Sky Conference website doesn't have that stat on their stats page anymore. They used to have turnover margin on it. It's not there, which is irritating. I'm pretty sure they're like negative 10 in their turnover margin. They had a pretty big play to oh who's their stud wide receiver um, Tanner Connor. Uh, he had a big reception. Actually, no, it was Christian Fredrickson. Looking at the stats, anyway, he had a big reception, twenty six yard gain, fumbled it at the end of it after Portland State had already scored a touchdown. Portland State 
recovers the fumble, goes down and scores a touchdown on their ensuing possession. It's 14-0 with like five minutes into the game. <laughs> so, and then I think Idaho State's next possession, he uh, Hunter Hayes throws an interception. And then their third possession, I think Hunter Hayes gets sacked as he's throwing the ball and the ball flips up and Portland State returns it down to like the five. So first quarter, 17 points. I gave it was, Idaho State, it's just turnover prone, man. They they have some talent. And I, I don't think it's an issue with talent. They're just uh they're just not a good team. And they're making lots of mistakes and they're turning the ball over and they're not getting any turnovers. And that's just a recipe for disaster, especially on the road. And that's another thing here too. Their their road record and their road performance versus their home record and performance are two completely different teams. They beat UC Davis at home and they took UC, uh, they took Sac State 23 to 21. They lost that game by two points in Pocatello. They've gotten just dismantled on the road, 31 to 10 Idaho State. And what was that? 48 to 17 in Northern Arizona a couple of weeks prior to that. Ooh. Like they just are not the same team on the road. Well, their coaches might be coaching for their job in this game. Fen Fen. Fen Fen. <laughs> Matt, all right. Yeah, you're looking down at their their stat rankings. They're the bottom four in like every single main category. You want total offense, total defense, scoring offense, scoring defense. Bottom three, bottom four. They're the most sack team in the league. They produce the least amount of sacks on the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> it's like, how do they beat UC Davis? You're looking at these stats. You're looking at their record. I don't even understand what possibly could have happened in Pocatello. Pocatello is one of those weird places to play football. Like just weird stuff happens there. Kind of like Portland State. Like you go there, Portland State, especially now there's just no environment. Like that's a perfect recipe for upset, but just weird things happen in that dome in Pocatello. <laughs> well, I don't, I really don't know what to say about Idaho State. It just seems like we always play Idaho State around this time of the year. And well, we've had some trouble with Idaho State when. Oh, who is their quarterback? They had a quarterback and uh, receiver combination. Tanner. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's Tanner Geller Hunter right now, still there, but he had Geller. he had a brother. I'm pretty sure it's the Gellers. I might I might be wrong. I don't know. They've had, they've had, they've always had some in the last few years. They had some good teams. They had that Magnum wide receiver. I remember who came to Bozeman and and lit us up to. Two. Ooh. Yeah. Remember that guy? Right. Last yeah. name was like Magnum or something or other. They've had some good teams, <laughs> man, especially especially <laughs> offense. Like Idaho State usually can play offense, but they're not they're they've had historically bad defenses. And All I know right. things are the whole different year here, but um uh, what are you predicting for this game? You think we're gonna win this game? I I, I don't make predictions. It seems I'm like you're very much anything. done talking about this football game, so I'm trying to wrap it up for you. <laughs> yeah, I am. I don't want to talk about Idaho State. I'm looking at the clock, and I want to I want to make it sure that we can get into our Golden Cooley questions, have some better conversation because Idaho sure. State just kind of bores me. Okay, I'll ask you one parting thought, and you can make it as short as you want. Then, just what are you hoping to see from this game? Yeah, I, I want to see I want to see improvement on the offense. I want to see some diversity. And the play calling, I want to see us get back to a hundred yard rusher. Whether it's a Fonte, it has probably has to be a Fonte or Elijah Elliott. I want to see our defense continue to just stomp. I mean, gosh, our defense—we are so stinking lucky right now watching the Montana State defense. They are so good. They are so good. They're so much fun to watch. I love Daniel Hardy. 
I love Troy Anderson. I love Ty Okada. I love everybody that supports them. I love Chase Benson taking on doubles. I love watching Brody Greeby become a little star of his own. I love watching the back end, Jeff Manning and Trey Webb. I mean, the whole defense is just mm-hmm. this like tight-knit group that just feeds off each other. They're playing fast, playing physical. I just love our defense, but I want to see the Montana State offense come alive. I wanted to see the us just take take a, take control as an offense, and not just from the defense creating opportunities for us. I just want to I just want to drive the ball down the field, play smash mouth football, hit some big bass pass plays. And have some fun. That's really what I want to see. I think you're going to hit on my main thing is I want to see the playbook open up and I want to see Matt McKay just kind of air it out and take some more chances. Maybe, yeah, maybe man. throw an interception. I just want him to see him start to think about not taking the easy read, not making the rushed read, whether maybe there's a guy open, he just throw it to him because he's right there. Maybe looking downfield, maybe there's another throw to be made that could be for a touchdown instead of a 10 yard gain. I want to, that's my biggest hope is to see the passing game just be more dynamic. Matt McKay, just slow it down a little bit and just kind of survey the field and maybe, maybe make some, uh, some better decisions outside of that. I want to see our second stringers and third stringers get lots of playing time and not necessarily in garbage mock, uh, mop up time. I don't want, I, I want to see them like in the second quarter, maybe the game's 14 to seven at that point. I just want to see them have some more meaningful snaps in a game that, at that point, uh, maybe it's not in hand, but you know you're confident it will be in hand. Just some more meaningful snaps for the for the secondary, or I'm sorry, the second string and third string because we're going to need so many people down the stretch. So I want to see uh, starters get rested, but also the second stringers get meaningful snaps. And you know, I just want to get out there healthy, get into the bye week, and prepare for Eastern. Okay. Golden Cooley questions, brother. Cooley. Let's do it. Woo! Can't say koozie. It's trademark. Koozie. They'll never, they'll never know. Who are we kidding? <laughs> We're playing it safe, though. <laughs> they technically. Golden Cooleys. We've been saying it long enough now that it just, it just sounds like Cooleys. Yeah. In fact, co- when I talk about it to people who don't listen to the podcast, they're like, Cooleys, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, yeah, they're, you know, the koozie, the beer koozie. They're like, oh, then why are you calling him coolies? I'm like, so I have to tell him. Anyways. <laughs> Do you want to get All sued? right, this comes from Bobcat Fan. <laughs> One, two, three. Vegan said something of the effect that he understands the offense needs to get better and they will be working on it. Do you anticipate a few new wrinkles in the offensive scheme to be put on display against Idaho State? That's his first question. I'll answer that quick, uh, shortly. Absolutely. 100%. Taylor Hasright has shown that all year long, and I think this is going to be exactly the same. I think Montana State is going to come out with new wrinkles, a new look. I think we're going to do well in offense. Go ahead, Thorny. I don't know if I necessarily expect new wrinkles. I expect maybe some stuff we've seen that maybe we haven't seen for a couple weeks. Like we were got very conservative. I, just, I expect us to go back to some stuff that we've seen and better execution and maybe more risk-taking as I, I was just talking about my uh, wishes for the game. But I don't, I don't know if it'll be a whole bunch of new wrinkles necessarily, but uh, I expect the offense to have much better production. Fair enough. He has a second question. Weber was a tough opponent, and their defense looked better than expected. I agree. Any chance they give Eastern Washington problems this upcoming weekend? I think that they could, uh, at least for the first half. 
their their Weaver's offense is so inept, and Eastern's defense is I think a little underrated. So maybe Weaver can shut down Eastern kind of for a half, like the Grizz were able to actually shut down Eastern for almost three quarters. But um, Eastern's going to pull away at some point in that game. So I think they'll give them fits, but they're not going to win. I don't think. Hmm. All right. Thank you, Bobcat. One, two, three. Let's move. No on answer to... from you. <laughs> uh, I think you're right. I think I think you said it perfect. So I'm okay. just going to agree with 100 percent of what, what with what you said. I usually am. All right. right. So it's fine to agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> Colorado cat, who is always listening. We appreciate you, Colorado cat. Appreciate all. We of just you. played our. We just played our toughest opponent of the season so far in Weber State, but do we know any more about the team than we did last Monday? I'll let you. I think that. so. I think they're the moxie, the the winning mentality, just the just their the way they approach things and the way they handle their business. I think that says a lot about it. We hadn't really been punched in the mouth like that. We've been playing relatively soft opponents just not in terms of like their overall talent but just their level of physicality and just the size and it's been a mismatch every week so we finally played someone more on par with us and we got into a complete fist fight so i think we did learn something about the cast that they're resilient and can handle it no yeah i 100 percent agree i was really concerned and in fact if we could go back to the keys to win i said match weaver's physicality we did that we like i said before we out weaver weaver in Ogden, a desperate team, a team that's playing for their homecoming, a team that had two weeks to prepare for us. We out physical them. We I learned a lot about the Bobcats on Friday night. And also we endured the fourth quarter. And that was a big question to me. We had been we've been playing the skate schedule where we could just pull everybody. We went into the fourth quarter. We won. I mean, I think that's a huge statement for the Montana State. So Colorado Cap. Absolutely, we learned a lot about the Bobcats. I think we're tougher than I even thought we were going into this game. New sheriff in town. New sheriff. <laughs> he didn't say it like that at all. I'm saying it like that. Joe all Bobcat right. asks us, he says he hesitates to even ask us this question, but if we needed to replace Matt McKay in any of our remaining games, who do you expect the coaches will put in? Does your answer change given different game situations, such as we have a big lead versus... We're virtually tied versus we're behind by more than a score. I don't think the situation changes who we bring in. Who have we been bringing in fully? Has it been Bauman? Has he been the it's first been off weird. the bench? Yeah. He has been the first guy off the bench. Although I think they'd bring in Rovig if it was really to the nails. If it was a, yeah, if it was not just garbage time, we're getting some reps for someone because uh, Rovig has plenty of reps. I, I imagine it has to be. Rovig, if Matt McKay gets hurt in the in the second quarter against Eastern Washington, it's got to be Tucker Rovig. I don't see who else you would possibly put in there. Bama's not ready for that. Rovig has been there, so you got to put Rovig in. I think in the Gold Rush game, Rovig was the first to come in, and he had that beautiful pass to Cam. Yeah, Gardner. do like a uh, first like first play. Like I'm going to just go throw a 40 yard touchdown pass to Cam Gardner and drop it over. Uh, DB, <laughs> he's, he's still got it. I think that's why they're why I think that's why Bauman's been getting so many of the reps is because Rovig is a commodity, a proven commodity at this point. You know what you're going to get. Bauman's still a work in progress. Okay, I think that's it on the Bobcat Nation. 
There's none yep, on Twitter it, other than Ian asking us uh, why haven't he has why hasn't he been on the show yet? It's <laughs> 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 a great question. Well, we and, should get uh, him on. We should. Hey, so there is going to be uh, a. T- go ahead. Go ahead. Don't you? No, you you go. <laughs> I th- I just think there's a time coming up by week. And there's also a time coming up after the season that's going to be kind of a buffer season between here and basketball where I think there's some opportunities to maybe talk to some other guys. Yeah, agreed for sure. Let us know. Let us know what you want to see. Like we're pretty open to uh kind of content. We've been doing the instant reaction shows and those have been uh, pretty well received. So we're certainly open to some other type shows or uh, basketball, whatever's. All right. I think I know who I want to pick for our Golden Cooley. Do it because I closed the tab and I don't remember the questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think I want to go with Bobcat123. He gave us our first question. Woo! Good job, Bobcat! Bobcat! 12 3. 12 3. And I think I'm going to go with him because he did give us two questions. Uh, I did like that the idea of um, talking about the Eastern Washington Weaver matchup. And I don't think he has a golden coolie yet. And he's been giving us some questions. So, uh, all right, Bobcat123, it's your turn, buddy. Congratulations. Get at it. Send us. Uh, Damn it. There it is. Woo! There it is. <laughs> I'm leaving all that in. It was supposed to be cheering from the get-go. I hit the wrong button. I hit the rim shot button. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bobcat123, just get at us, buddy, and we'll get you that golden coolie. <laughs> all right. I assume it's time to go. If only making some sort of weird face, I'll, I'll take that as a yes. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone, for submitting your Golden Cooley questions. As always, we appreciate the questions, and we appreciate everyone for listening. You can always find us on Twitter, RRCatCast. That's your best place to interact with us because I know we have a Facebook account and Instagram account, but we don't really go there all that often. So Twitter is probably your best bet, at least for the official account. You can find us on the web, RRCatCast.com. You can always email us at RRCatCast at gmail.com if you know. If you don't have any of those other things we've been talking about and fully, let's get out of here with the go cats, go cats, go cats. Go cats.